아멘 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 자, 여러분 믿으세요 응? 이번 집회 여러분들 다 성매될 것입니다 okay, You will be um, revolutionized in this conference Please believe brothers that you will be revolutionized All we need is to thirst and desire after God That Lord I, my desire is to meet with you. That if you don't have even this, then there's nothing that God can do for you. So we need this desire. Amen? And let us recognize just who, how great of a God He is. And where, what does His greatness mean? And think about this. He... He comes before you as a, a personally, right? He treats you personally. He could be cold and just say judgment, judgment, and and, and, and treat your life as if nothing. And it'd be great if he came and, and compelled us to do things, right? From certain perspectives, that may be more um, more easy, right? It may be better to the wicked people, but, but God waits until you are willing to receive Him, waits until you want Him. And so from the perspective of God who can do anything, how amazing is that? This omniscient, omnipotent God can do anything at all times, and yet He shows this restraint. That is great. And as you live with God, you come to realize just how great He truly is. And you start to think about God uh, from your perspective. For example, it's like this, like, like, who am I that He would dwell in me? Right, this is great risk from the perspective of God, right? Because when he enters into me, what is he, what is he risking? He is limiting himself. He is limiting his power, his omniscience. And above all that, think about this, the fact that he gave us free will. This is an amazing uh, event all in itself. And so, when we have free will, it means that we have become like God. Because God alone can choose to can choose or not choose. There's no create creature in this universe that has free will. And it's because he chose to give free will to humans that he allowed free wills to angels as well. Now, you may say, angels were created first. That's true. But the choice was because he wanted to create man. And so as you live with God, you realize the greatness of what God has given us. You realize the greatness of what we have become before God. So brothers, you have been created in God's image. God didn't just print you like a factory prints money. No, he imparted his life to you. And when you go to heaven and you see God seated on his throne, what will he look like to you? Do you think it's going to be an elephant 
He's going to look like an elephant? No, it's going to be in the same image as man. Because you have been created in God's image. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay, there's coffee in the uh, there's coffee in the lobby, and so please, if you uh, feel tired, uh, help yourself. And now, <clears throat> let's look at Hosea chapter eight. In chapter 7, remember, the reason why Israel is judged is because they have mixed themselves with the world. And so what we must be clear on is that the church must not mix themselves with the world. As I said earlier, a caterpillar needs to eat leaves and fruit. If it eats meat, it's going to die. In the same way, God is showing us the same thing, that we need to feed off of what is given to us from heaven. If we eat the world, we will die. And so if you have this confidence that you are the child of God, then you will see this clearly. And so if you are unaware of this rejection of the world inside of you, means that you do not understand or have a concept of the dignity of being a child of God. That you do not understand the greatness of what it is that God has given you. And so remember, this isn't about difference in level. No, it's a difference in dimension. That you have become an altogether different being. No matter how large the first dimension may be, it cannot transcend two dimensions. And so there is no nothing, no nothing that can ground um, living by God in this world because it's on a different dimension. Everything that God gives has the common factor of eternity, right? Truth is eternal, grace is eternal. And so in the relationship with God, if there is no eternity, it's nothing. But what about in this world? There's nothing that lasts eternal. And so we cannot live by what the world gives. We rule and have dominion over this world. And when God created man, he created man with this power and authority, as it says in Genesis 1.28. And so man has been created as a king. And we are to reign and fulfill and, and, and subdue the earth. And so even from the beginning of creation, we have been given the command to conquer and to subdue. And with this principle in mind, when Jesus Christ came to this earth, he proclaimed to us that we have the power and authority to trample upon scorpions and serpents. And so do not forget for a moment who you are. 
And so if Israel mixes itself with the world, it, it dies. If the church mixes with the world, it dies. Because the life force of the church is holiness. It's not in numbers. It's not in material goods. No, it has nothing to do with it. The church of God survives by the will of God because God reigns. And all these other things are not uh, necessary. As you well know, Zoe ministry has been going strong for 20 years. Was it because we have lots of people? Was it because we have lots of money? No. And yet, how much money has been used through us for this for the nations? Probably more than six billion dollars just in Zoe Ministry. How is this possible? It's not because we have lots of money, but because holiness is the utmost important things to us. That's why God pours out to us. And so even now, I tell the young adults, quit on the world. There's no need to compromise with the world. There's no need to invest energy into the world. Even now in Yobang Church, I think half of the young adults are jobless. They're unemployed. They do not work. And of course, that was their choice. But it's a good thing because they have determined to live by faith alone. And I don't tell them to find a job or to not find a job. I say, if that's your faith, you live by your faith. And yet, God does everything He wants to through this church. Whatever He wants to do, this church never limits what it is, right? Because this church has holiness. And holiness is everything to the children of God. And it's when you recognize this that you will, that your eyes will see that the, how worthless the world is. How absolutely no value the world has. And so when God proclaims to Israel, do not syncretize yourself with the world, it's not because it's an option, but because that's what they were from the beginning. And so in chapter 7, as we continue to chapter 8, this uh, God's judgment is proclaimed upon Israel because of this fact, because they have lost this fact. And so though Hosea speaks judgment, through this judgment, what you need to receive is the love of God. That ah, it's because of our dignity, because of our nobility, that God, and because God loves us, that He proclaims this love. And so the book of Hosea speaks, uh, proclaims judgment. It, the, the secret in Hosea is God's love. Remember, as we said in chapter one through four. Or one through three, the relationship is the relationship between spouses, between husband and wife. And the the wife that he had is Gomer, right? And Gomer, Gomer ran away. And when Hosea received instruction to go f reclaim her, it's not as if he f he was compelled to. He didn't do it out of obligation. No, just as God. Looks at Israel with eyes of love and eyes of dignity. Remember, the love of God includes righteousness. He doesn't love us in our filth, like just just leaving that filth, tolerant, compromising with that filth. No. 
He cleanses us and then embraces us in love. And so Israel, because of the corruption, has become filthy. But when you return, if you were to return, I will once again embrace you as my children. That means that he will clean, cleanse them, purify them, and once again raise them up. It's the same thing with Hosea. He's not just forcing himself to live with his wife Gomer. No, just as God treated, pour out righteousness, in the same way Hosea is going to love Gomer fully. And so, you may think that, oh wow, that's, that's not possible. But that's only from the perspective of humans. That's from the perspective of this world. Right? If you are polluted or corrupted once, you're, already, you're, you're ruined, right? It's ruined. But that's not how God works. No matter how polluted you may become, if God pours out righteousness, you are righteous. And when he says you are righteous, not, he's not just, you are not just nominally righteous, but he cleanses you, right? What does that precious blood do? It's not just simply forgiveness of your sins. Your sins are completely erased. That I remember their sins no more. And so if you are living in the world, if you are living in humanism, not only can you not understand this, but you cannot receive this amazing love of God. And so, brothers, have faith. If you keep living by your thoughts, if you keep living by your knowledge, it's impossible to believe in the methods of the kingdom of heaven. And I've given this testimony before. I was ministering to a certain sister, and the sister said to me that uh, she's getting ready to get married. But, and she's feel conflicted because she felt like she had to come clean to her fiancé. But in her youth, uh, she could not maintain her purity. She, she, she wanted to confess this to her future husband-to-be and to ask for forgiveness. And so she, but she was conflicted. She was scared. And so I said, so I said to her sister, did you truly repent of this before God? And she said, I'm free. If God has forgiven you, then why do you need forgiveness of man? Don't, don't worry, you don't need to do so. This isn't, I don't know how to translate this, but this isn't um, deception, but it's, it, it's Jesusception. <laughs> Sorry. I'm sorry. Don't apply the methods of this world, apply the methods of humans to the kingdom of heaven. And, and so when we receive this amazing grace of God, all of these things that your lives, every record became erased. We live by the kingdom of heaven, not by the kingdom of this world. And because we receive that, our hurts get healed. And so this is what heals your bindings within you. And in, if it, there is this uh, structures of the brain in your mind, right? 
and, and this and the, and it receives this uh, excellence of the world. But when you receive grace, it gets rid of that 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 excellence of the world. It's not because physically something changes in your brain. No, because your spirit changes. Because remember, we live in the spirit. It's not about the flesh. It's not about the mind. And so spiritual changes actually build us up. And so we are returning to the essence that God originally created us in. And so maybe some of you are not wise. But that's from the perspective of science. Of biology. But from God's perspective, when He created man, He never used the ingredient ignorance. Now, maybe some of you have lots of rage. But that is from the perspective of this world, and that is a method of this world. When God created man, He never used the ingredient rage, powerlessness. All of these things are the same thing. None of these things were ingredients used by God. And so what you need to understand is that this was never mine to begin with. And so when you live by the Spirit, you will cast these things aside. So 33 years ago when I met with God, and the life I lived before I met with God, I'm two completely different people. And my wife is witness to that. And that's why she cannot help but be amazed at God. Why? Because when she sees me, she sees living proof of God's, of God's greatness. And so before I changed, this is how my wife used to pray for me. Lord, uh, in the church uh, has entered a devil. And then after I changed, the way she prays is, Lord, help him not to turn back into the devil. <laughs> okay, I used to be the devil in the church. <laughs> Because I would come to the church and I was living in the pastor's house. I, I would drink and smoke in the backyard. And I would, and on Sunday, I would call all the staff and, and we would play poker, right? In the church. And so, yeah, I am the devil in the church. But look. But because I was my spirit changed and I live by the spirit, I return to what God created me, how God created me. It's not simply just living a good life, a kind person, becoming a kind person. It's not just simply turning into a good man. No, rather, I am revolutionized into returning into who God created me to be. And so 33 years ago, I've been proclaiming that when you meet with God, your being is revolutionized, right? I've been proclaiming this for the past 33 years. Why? Because I myself have experienced that revolution. It's not revolution in bits. No, the moment you meet with God, you are revolutionized. And this it doesn't only apply to me. When you look at the Bible, every man who has met with God has been revolutionized. And so when the spirit changes, it changes everything inside of you. And so all of these things that the world has given you, the things planted by the devil, were never yours to begin with. 
children of God cannot be powerless, cannot be lethargic. And many saints think this, that, oh, it's because I don't have money that I have no ability. No. No, money is not a prerequisite to the life of a believer. Do you think that if you have lots of money that you will all of a sudden have ability? No. So the reason why we serve the world, or, or, no, the reason why Israel serves the world is because they think that the world is strong. Because what is the essence of Babylon? Babylon is worships strength. But when you serve the world, that is foolishness, right? Think about it. Let's say this person has... Let's say that this person has a hundred million dollars, but there's people in the world that has a billion dollars. And so, if you live for that strength and worship strength, you will always find someone stronger than you. If there's always someone smarter than you, there's always someone more powerful than you. And so the irony of this of, of your of your situation is that you became king, right? And you make your own kingdom. And you say that you're king. But you are king of one. No one else acknowledges your authority. And so though even though you become king, you become powerless. That's why the young adults of this day and age are so powerless, right? The king needs his people. Without his people, he has nothing, right? If you go to Australia, there is a small nation in Australia. He is the king. No, in Australia, there is this small nation. And so he's the king, and his wife is the queen. And so the king has to farm everything himself. He has to maintain uh, um, uh, the upkeep himself. That's not a king, right? It's just his own kingdom. And many of you are living like this. This, is, this describes your life. And so the kingdom of heaven cannot enter into you. And that person has to live by the methods of this world. Excuse me one moment. When Babylon enters into you, you become powerless. You become lethargic. You become ignorant. And that's not what it means to live with God. And so it is delusional to think that, oh, I'd have no ability because I don't have money. For 33 years, I've never lived by the strength of my own money, and yet I've never been without ability. Oh, I'm, I don't have ability because I lack education. I am someone who did not study well. I did not get much education. And so, the, the professors in our church are always like, wow, our pastor doesn't read, and yet, how does he know all this? Sometimes I get upset that they say that. Oh, wow, they think that I'm ignorant, don't they? <laughs> okay, Pastor Yunjong, what do you say? <clears throat> And so listen carefully. Okay, we are not beings created to build ourselves up. 
We are not creating our own destiny through through our own hands, through our own means. And there are many of you who are afraid and anxious and and, 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 and because of this, because you feel that destiny is in your own hands, that you have to create your destiny. But remember that destiny is in God's hands. And we are to go down the track that God has set before us. And when we reject that, that's when our lives become suffering. God who is Alpha and Omega, He has this big picture for the universe. And all this universe is moving according to his picture. We, our greatness doesn't come from the sweat of our brow, doesn't come from the toil of our hands. It comes when we move according to the scenario that God has given us. And so we do not make by possessing, by claiming, by taking. No, our life is made when we are obedient and following after God. Now, simply during that process, what we need is to receive all of this in faith and receive His will in obedience and, and follow after His leading. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so when you have faith, you will see this. That, ah, I don't need to solve my own life. That, ah, I follow after the track that he has set before me. And so, fundamentally, we walk with him. And as I always say, I did not become a pastor because I wanted to be a pastor. No, remember, I didn't want to be a pastor. And I never would have imagined in my dreams that I would be a pastor for pastors. I've never even want, had that desire. And if I knew how much, how difficult it would be to serve pastors, I'd probably even more re- hate it. It's more difficult to serve one pastor than a hundred church members. Oh, sorry, not you, Pastor Raymond. I wasn't mentioning you. It's not because the pastors are wicked. No, it's because that's how important they are, that the spiritual level uh, is multiplied. I never said to God, I want to do world missions. I've always wanted to travel the world, but I never wanted to do world missions. And so look, life is not how I want, but it's I meet with God and I trust God. And I receive his dominion in faith. And I determine to follow after him in obedience. And when I walk with him, I follow the beautiful track of life that he has set before me. 
And in that track, do you think money would be an issue? Do you think people would be an issue? Do you think the world would be an issue? No. When these things are an issue, it's because it's the method of Babylon that, oh, I need this. I need this strength. I need this authority. I need this wisdom. I need uh, support of many people. That's all Babylon. But people of God don't live this way, nor do they need feel the need to live this way. And this is the source of Israel's corruption. And this is idolatry, ultimately. It's, idolatry means that I have received the life of style of Babylon, that I need more things, and so you serve prosperity. Remember, the source of prosperity is God, and yet they think that prosperity comes from Baal. It's the same thing amongst you. You think that the world will guarantee your prosperity, that, oh, I need money. Ah, uh, I need these fancy specifications. Uh, certifications. I need a PhD. And so you get this misconception when you live by Babylon. And then sisters, you think that, oh, I need to be pretty. That, uh, that it's only when I'm pretty that my life will unfold. And so you work so hard to be pretty. But look, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, what does it say? That in the calling of God, there is no uh, better or lower. It's, it's, there's no good looking or bad looking. God did not call you because of your looks. No, God called you because you have no hope in yourself. You have no uh, nothing to rely on but God. And so if you think that you are pretty yourself, oh, that's dangerous. Look at Xiaoche. Because she doesn't have confidence in her own in her own self that's why she meets this great husband Kidok and she becomes this world famous interpreter right because she is she has no hope in herself right no hope in herself that is beauty when you have hope in yourself in your own potential that is where there's no hope because God cannot use you so Lord, I have no hope. I ha I have you. I have. I need you and you alone. You are my everything. This is the person that will live with God. Oh, I'm okay. I'm so smart. Oh, don't you? I mean, I'm good enough. Then this kind of person cannot be accepted by God. They will not be accepted by God. Oh, wow. I didn't even get through the introduction. And so let's move into the text. Verse 1 through 3. And so because they receive the worldly standard, they uh, have denied the covenant with God. And when we talk about covenant, okay, when we talk about the covenant, okay, it's the word berit in Hebrew, which means to cut. And so, 
And so meaning that if you break the covenant, you are cut in half. And so whenever there was a covenant, they would split the cow in half as a sacrifice for that covenant. And so we should not break the covenant, right? And so this word covenant is different from a contract. Because God, it says that if you break this covenant, you will die. But it's actually God who dies for us. And so there's this great responsibility when covenant is, is there. And so even if Israel betrays, God cannot betray. That's the difference between contracts in this world and covenant of God. Right? If, if one side of the contract is broken in this world, then there's the responsibility is no longer on the other side as well, right? But that's not the covenant. And so though Israel is judged, right, when they throw, when they break the covenant, as I said earlier, this judgment isn't, isn't because of breaking the covenant. Rather, it is God's protection of their holiness because of His love. And so listen carefully, brothers. Your blessing comes from God's love, not from possessing many things. Your blessing comes from God keeping your dignity, God guarding your dignity. And so, no matter where you are, if you are in that relationship, God's dignity will manifest in your life no matter where you are. And so look, brothers, from the perspective of God, covenant symbolizes God's unbreaking love for Israel. And there are many there are many words to represent God's love for Israel, and one of them is this word hesed. And a more direct word for love is ahav. And yet, hesed has great importance because hesed isn't just simply love. Hesed is uh, I like to call it covenantal love. Because the source of the love of the cross is Hesed. That God from his uh, from his perspective chooses me and chooses to love me. Aha, and then when you receive that love, you come to know that aha, this passion love. And then so, ahav, also the word agape in Greek. And so, agape combines both hesed and ahav. And so the moment Israel uh, signs this covenant with God on Mount Sinai, he has determined to love them. Why? Because they are his children, the children of his loins. And so this is Hesed. And when we receive that Hesed, we receive that passionate love of God and Ahav. Understand what this process? And so the reason why you need to believe that you have become a child of God is because this is ultimately maintenance of that covenantal love. 
in the New Testament saints, uh, what this means is maintenance of the righteousness that Jesus Christ has given us. If you don't maintain this relationship of righteousness before you, between you and God, you cannot receive that love. And so it's the same thing to you. The reason why you're unable to receive that love is because your spirit's not open. Why is your spirit not open? Because you are not maintaining that righteousness. You need to first receive that chesed, that covenant, and that's when that love enters into you. But because you lose sight of that righteousness, because you forget that righteousness, you keep trying to live by your own methods. And so you're unable to receive the love of God. And so even now, brothers, God's love is coming upon all of you in the same way and some of them are receiving it as if water is waterfalls are falling upon them but there's others who cannot even feel it at all and this person will think that oh God doesn't love me no no you are not receiving God's love now of course you may this may be in spite of the fact that you are saved and so righteousness is hesed and God's love cannot be separated from his righteousness Ahav cannot be separated from hesed that's why I call I like to call it uh, covenantal love that God has determined to love me the moment you meet with the cross you receive that love that has determined to love you. You receive that righteousness, right? That has raised you up. That I, I have become a being that can meet with God. And so when you meet with Him, in that meeting, you receive that torrid, ahav love that comes upon you. Amen? And so in that love, all your hurts, your wounds get melted away. Right? I may, I've given this testimony before that there was a sister who, who was uh, constantly um, sexually abused by her uncle and her hope her, her one goal in life it was to eventually get strong enough to kill her uncle that's how powerful this hate was so what do you think her life would be characterized by? And so she had this great hate inside of her as she aged, as she got older. And not only did her uh, uncle get old, but also her body got old and, and withered away. But then she came to meet with God. And the moment she received the love of God, all those hurts, all those wounds were wiped away. And she forgave her, her uncle. This is the essence of God's love. And this isn't just a special privilege to certain people. No, this is the love of God. And when I received that love, I came to realize this glory of the gospel. And I could not keep myself quiet. And that's why Zoe ministry started to go all over the world. Okay. What do you think do I have in common with Jonah, who's from Africa? I have 
If I go up my ancestry all the way up to my grandfather, grandfather, great grandfather, great 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 grandfather, do you think that they'll share blood with Africa? No, they are all Korea. And yet, why do I go to Mozambique? Why? Because the love of God enters into me, and so how can I remain silent? It's the same thing applies to you. Okay, look, think about this, right? Do you think a guy like me would waste my time with people like you? <laughs> Already you can hear God saying, look at your arrogance, look at your arrogance. Why are you not laughing when I'm making a joke? Okay, laugh. Come on, laugh. What church do you belong to? Uh, glorious church. Okay, is there no reason to laugh at your church? Laugh, okay, laugh. Joseph, are you better? Then why don't you laugh? Okay, you're eating ribs these days, right? Okay, he had uh, something with his gallbladder. Um, or, yeah, gallbladder. So he wasn't able to eat um, meat very well. But he's eating, right? Right. Uh, I had to heal his gallbladder because he's young and uh, is it gallbladder with stones? Right, stones. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so God had mercy on this young guy because you know if he had those stones, he would not be able to use his equipment. <laughs> That's what he said. So he cannot use his equipment. So obviously, this young guy needs to be healed. Needs to be healed. <laughs> So anyways, let's move on. Uh, let us thirst for that love of God. Amen. We need to receive this covenantal love, this chesed. Because the cross, what the cross represents is this covenantal love. That's why when we come, be, that's because of the cross, we can draw near to the throne of grace. And when we draw near to the throne of grace, we can receive that ahav love. Amen. That passionate love of God. Amen. <laughs> and so let's see how they have rejected the covenant verse eight, 1 set the trumpets to your lips and so earlier it talks about Israel blow the trumpet remember Israel is a nation of watchmen and usually when a watchman sounds the trumpet, what's the reason? It's because war has has come, right? And yet God is calling to Hosea to blow the trumpet, meaning what? That war is coming. Who is the prophet? The prophet is the watchman of Israel. And so in the church, we need to be filled with the spirit of prophetic anointing. So that we can know the direction that God wants us to be in and also see how the enemy is moving. If we do not have the spirit of the prophet, uh, the church will wander. And so in the church, there must be a strong spirit of prophecy. And so he's proclaiming to Hosea, be the watchman. And so one like a vulture is over the house of the Lord. And so this vulture, it is Assyria. And this is something that has already been prophesied in Deuteronomy. That when, when Israel breaks the covenant, that there will be vultures or that surround Israel and come devour Israel. And because they mix themselves with the world and they cast God aside for idols, warfare is coming. 
But this vulture is over what? Not Israel, but the house of the Lord. Why? Why does he use this, this word to the house of the Lord? Because it's talking about God's temple. Because the focus of uh, the the source of God's uh, of, of Israel's corruption is is in the church, right? If the church is clean, then the nation will be clean, right? If the church was to proclaim the word of God and cleanse them through the word of God, then they would not fall. But the temple, the temple has stopped its function, and so that's why God judges the temple first. And so that's how important the church is. The same thing applies to Korea. Go to. Look at the church of Korea, right? If the church was to radiate holiness properly, your nations would be much better than it is right now. Now, of course, the times are, are the end times, and so, so there is a time, this situation right now is God's judgment upon the nations. But, and yet, it still applies that the church has this calling to be, to have holy influence, right? And we need to be able to radiate out that influence. But, and so, this is this judgment, uh, right? Because they were unable to uh, have that influence. And so let's continue. And so the reason is because they have transgressed my covenant and rebelled against my law. And so this is the clear reason for judgment. Because Israel mixed themselves with the world, received the world, they live by the methods of the world. They may still do sacrifice to God. They may still worship God. And yet, their motivations is all tainted by the world. They are tainted by the worship of strength. And so if they are weak, they oppress. And they take from the poor. And so they become a nation that has nothing to do with the righteousness of God. And so God only has one option left available to him, which is to judge them. But what led to this point is that they transgressed the covenant and rebelled against his law. And so in Exodus 24, this covenant is speaking of, uh, is describing Exodus 24 when Israel signed that covenant with God, where they proclaimed that they will be God's people and God will be their God. And they determined that they will live by God alone. And they have determined to live under God's dominion, but they have transgressed this covenant. They have de- uh, no longer become God's people. They have no longer become God's children. And they have broken that pure relationship of husband and wife. Meaning that they are declaring to God that God has no longer responsibility over them. And so that's why, look, can you see how important it is to maintain this relationship? Right? New covenantal terms is maintenance of righteousness with God. If you lose the joy of righteousness, you have the nature to look to be, find justification elsewhere. For example, oh, I need money. 
And so through money, you you feel justified. You feel justified through people's acknowledgement. You feel justified through the uh, honor of the world. No, no. A child of God needs to be justified by God alone. And this righteousness can uh, can be interpreted in many ways. But ultimately, what is righteousness? It is the ability to meet with God freely. And so we receive this righteousness. And because we can meet with Him, ultimately, how do we live then? We live by meeting with Him. We live by seeking from Him. This is the method of the children of God. There is no other option. He is the master of the universe. We call upon Him. We seek Him. And what is His promise to us? That ask anything in my name and I will give to you. God will give to you. And that's why in the Lord's prayers we say that we call Him Abba Father. That when we seek from Him, He must give. That is His responsibility to us in His covenant. And then it's also our right. And so prayer is not begging God. No, it is boldly declaring to God. And so the word that it goes hand in hand with prayer in the Bible is what is bold. Boldly, right? The right, the freedom of speech, the freedom of speech to say whatever it is before God. That Lord, um, may the heavens, uh, may the sun stop in the heavens and the heavens stop. And so, for example, let's say I pray to God, give me the universe. Now, God answering this might take 10,000 years. It doesn't mean that He doesn't give, but He does give, He gives. But it just takes time. But I don't seek that kind of thing, right? Really? Let's say, for example, I said to, I pray like this, Lord, kill this person. Do you think God will answer or not? He will. But when he's going to kill this person, that's the different issue. And so I don't pray for this. But all kinds of prayer, God answers. Okay, I pray to God, Lord, give Pastor Cho a fifth child. Do you think God will answer or not? He will. Don't worry. Don't worry. He will answer. Okay, Xiao Jie was someone who could not give birth to a single child. And I prayed for her. I only prayed for actually the first child, not the second child. But look, God even gave her a bonus, gave her a second child. God answers. He answers prayer. Whatever it is, yeah, I will give. There is no limit to what you can pray for. And so, it is foolishness to not pray. Of course, this is also unbelief. And so, when you do not believe, this is foolishness. It's stupidity. Why do you not avail the authority and right that God has given you? That's why He has given you righteousness. What is this righteousness? The right to meet with God. That is righteousness. The right to meet with God. Amen? And so, let's continue. And so, they transgressed the covenant. And so no longer can they come before God to seek God. 
because this covenant has been broken. And that is suffering, right? They are declaring to God that they will determine their own destiny, that they will be masters of their own destiny. But if that was God's purpose for us, then we should try to. But that's not how God created us. And so, which means that you are not living right, right? That means that you will be suffering. And so, when you live this way, at the end of your life, what conclusion will you come to? That life is suffering, right? When we die, we should die radiant and, and filled with joy. But when you live like this, you will be filled with darkness. And you'll be afraid of death itself. So let us live a life that seeks after God. Amen? What else does it say? That they... Uh, that they rebelled against my law. And so they are not Israel because they keep the law. Because they are Israel, they keep the law. Did I say that right? Okay, they do not keep the law because they are Israel. They are, or, or, no. <laughs> One moment, let me, let, me, let, me, let me catch up. Okay, this all begins from that relationship of covenant. Because of that covenant, I become a child of God. And God pours out all his dignity, everything I need to be dignified, right? As it says in Ephesians 3, uh, 1, 3, that he has blessed us in the heavenly realms. That, that he has given me all power, authority to live by his um, authority, to live by his kingdom. Why doesn't manifest in you? Because you are living in the flesh, because you live by the flesh. If you live by the spirit, all those promises will manifest. There's no need to even ask because it's all inside of me already. And so all, now all it is is you to use it, to avail it. Why do you not avail it? Because you live by the flesh. If you live by the Spirit, you would avail it. You would use it. <coughs> 33 years ago when I met with God, I was using all that power, all that authority. The moment I believed, it's not because I'm special. No, it applies to all people. It applies to all people. You are the ones who are special because you do not use it. So who's the special one? You are the special one. Okay. Let's continue. And so because we have the covenantal relationship, we are obedient to the word of God. Right, as it says that I am your God and so obey my word. And so what did Israel say? Israel says, Amen, Amen, we will obey. It's because they are the children of God that they obey. And so if you have confidence that you are a child of God, then you will automatically obey. It's not obedience because you, cho you choose to. It's not because you think it's good that you obey. No, rather that obedience brings God's blessing. As it says in Deuteronomy uh, 28, it talks about blessings, right? And many blessings are recorded there. And there's only one condition to that blessing, which is what? Obedience. If we have obedience, everything is available. Everything becomes open. Yes? 
And so, the very first thing that we need to talk about in our faith life is obedience. Who is the one who is good at Christianity? It's not someone who is good at prayer. It's not someone who is good at worshiping. No, it's all obedience first. Amen? It begins with obedience. But because you lose sight of your childhood, of, of being God's child, that's why you lose obedience. So moving on to verse 2. Wow, why is it taking so much time today? I only have one hour left. Okay, you don't need to eat lunch, right? <laughs> verse 2. To me they cry. And so, be, uh, because of their transgressions, suffering comes. And so, the dignity of the children of God is like this. Okay, this doesn't apply to the world. Okay, that all just because they sin immediately, suffering comes. No, but to those who have covenantal relationship with God. Uh, when they break the relationship with God, there needs to be suffering. There needs to be hardship. There needs to be tribulation. This is the dignity, the nobility of children of God. But if your life is successful, even though you are, have no relationship with God, that means you are illegitimate. And I talked about this, I think, in Amos. Do you know what it means to be Israel? Do you truly know what it means to be a child of God? Do you know what it means to be the church? If you knew this glory, then honestly, you would fear God. Now, of course, you cannot maintain that gl glory of your own will. But look at Israel. Even for 3,000 years, they are scattered throughout the earth, right? And yet, how? I probably would have been like this. That, Lord, I never wanted to be your people. Have I ever said that I wanted to live with you, Lord? Because look at the suffering that Israel had to go throughout their history. And so if you think, look at it from this perspective, you would fear, right? Look at the suffering that Israel suffered whenever they strayed from God. And yet the amazing thing is that the more suffering Israel goes through, the more they hold on to God, the deeper they know God, the greater God's scale comes upon them. This is evidence of God. And so, children of God's suffering, you may think, oh, why is God beating me? Then I don't want to, ch I choose to not believe in God. This is someone who has never met with God in the first place. If you have confidence, that, if you have confirmation of becoming adopted by God, then you would meet with God in a deeper level, in a more amazing scale. This is the blessing of Israel. And so, from the human perspective, when you see the suffering, you would think, why choose to be Israel? Why choose to be the church? Right? That, that, isn't, uh, that is how they would see it. But no. As children of God, 
we see that this suffering, whenever it comes, is a blessing because the suffering is showing us the depth of God. And so look, examine your life. Have I met with God? If I have not met with God, then it's obvious that you will live however you want. But if you have met with God and you are a child of God and yet you are not living by His will, you are not living in holiness and yet your life is comfortable, then this is something that you need to check once again. Am I truly saved? Because God is not someone who is going to just compromise with your wickedness. He's not going to just leave you in your filth if you are his children. But to a child of God, they have this security, which is what? That let's say that I sinned and God doesn't do anything. Same thing with my children, right? Oh, my father should be scolding me and yet he is not doing anything. That means there is, then what are they going to be? They're going to feel this anxiety, right? What, what's going on? What's going on? Why isn't he saying anything? It'd be easier if he would just beat me once. And so it's the same thing. I become, I become filled with this anxiety and then I would get spanked and that spanking may hurt physically, but that anxiety is assuaged, right? And so I no longer have that anxiety. And so as a child of God, uh, if when we stray from God's will, it's better to be beat. Because, because when you are, are disciplined, right, God's comfort comes afterwards. Whenever I would spank my children, I would reward them with comfort afterwards, right? This is the love of God. So let's continue. And so in their hardship, they cry. They cry, right? And we see this. But now let's see if they prayed properly. Let's say if they cry to God properly. My God. My God. And so this my God is talking about their God that they have seen. And so look, we, Israel, now he's talking about their, their identity as covenant with God. <clears throat> But these, but this, these confessions have no significance. Why? Because it's just spoken from a context of religion. Because Israel right now is in a state of syncretism, mixed with the world. Right? They are mixed. And so when you are corrupted and you call to God, Father. You need to question, is God your life? If you live by the world, God cannot be your life. That's the problem of syncretism. Right? The motivations and methodology of my life is for the world. And yet we, we keep the trappings of Israel, keep the trappings of the world, right? The method, the standard is the world, is the desires is of the world. And so this means rottenness, you are rotten, that is syncretism. And syncretism is something that affects us more than you know. 
Let's try, let's use this as an example. Let's you look at it from the perspective of prayer. Fundamentally, prayer, if you have righteousness before God, then the Holy Spirit will lead your prayer and lift that prayer up to God. And so fundamentally, in this relationship, uh, this is how you should pray. That prayer goes up to heaven, is, is sucked up to heaven. This is being upright before God. But let's say that you are not, that this is not, hap- that, that, that the prayer is not going up. That means that there is a spiritual interruption, that the devil is trying to interrupt. But this is not a big problem because God is greater than the devil. And so if you are a child of God, what does this mean? This means that there, that you should be able to pray at all times. But let's say that you are right before God. You think that you are right before God, but you're unable to pray. That means that that the strength of the old self is greater than the strength of the new self inside of you. That the fleshly strength is so strong that the strength to draw near before God is weak. For example, that uh, when the rocket is launched into space, it takes a lot of energy to to break through this atmosphere. But it's as if you do not have enough strength to break through the atmosphere. And so why does the old self become so strong? It's because you're receiving the world, because you're being influenced by syncretism. And because of this old self getting stronger and stronger, your prayer becomes difficult. If you have right relationship with God, there is this great expectation to draw near to God. That when I draw near to God and call upon Him, that He will meet with me. That I will have this inspirational fellowship with Him. And so it's not praying, forcing yourself to pray, compelling yourself to pray. Now, of course, there are times where you have to force yourself to pray. Right? There are times. There is a time, right, that, oh, I need to pray for this wicked church member, right? But, but for the most part, when you pray, you have this expectation of meeting with God, that, ah, God is going to meet, receive my prayer today. And, and so with that time, there is this joy that God meets with you. But when the world enters into you and you are syncretic, God alone should be your righteousness. But you start to find justification elsewhere because the world enters into you. And so you keep looking for things of the world. And and, and so it's hard to go into detail. But but look, what I'm trying to say is is that syncretism seeps into us all the time. The worldly standard seeps into us all the time. And when that happens, it's difficult to pray. Your spirit gets weighed down. And so though God has promised us that we can draw near to the throne of grace, but because our spirit is weighed down, it's hard to draw near to the throne of grace. And so even looking at this element of prayer itself, we can see uh, the danger of syncretism. And so, but look, let's say you maintain righteousness and you live by the Holy Spirit. Then you'll be able to see all these various case by case of uh, 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 of this uh, of separating from the world. 
And so you need to be able to have ha- be defended, stand defending against these things. And when these these temptations come, you need to have the reflexes to be able to reject it. Who will be able to do so? Those who live by the Holy Spirit. Those who live maintaining righteousness. If not, then you're constantly receiving that syncretism. And so let's say that you just um, picked up your cell phone. And when you look at the news, right, there's advertisements all over there, all over that news. For example, like news uh, uh, advertisement for for immoral sites. And and so at that moment, I am uh, casting the blood of Christ and, and, and cutting that off. But if you don't live by the Holy Spirit, just in unconsciously, you you absorb all this all this strength. And then so when you try to pray, you res- these strengths start to get applied to you. For example, brothers, when you look at a sister. Instead of seeing all her holiness and her her spirituality, rather, of course, this is hard to apply to Xiaoqie. But brothers, what do you see in the in the sisters? Wow, you're so sexy, right? This is what happens when you when you. T- yourself with the world. You are receiving the flesh. I'm sorry, this is impossible to apply to you, but I don't think I've ever thought that once in my entire life. Maybe once. Maybe Kidok thought once. Understand what I'm trying, what I'm getting at, yeah? That's how delicate your spirit is. Syncretism isn't just like the result of of wickedness. No, it is choices constantly presenting itself before you. And so ultimately, many of you are are are, are influenced by syncretism. And you can see it when you look at your speech, when you look at your spiritual state. And so, and so even, oh, sorry, one moment. Some people are seriously in syncretism, that they do not have faith in the church. And so even if I don't see directly, that person is probably always on their phone. And this person has almost no will, no joy to pray to God. So no matter how much the spirits move in that person. Oh, wait, huh? sorry, one moment. Okay, and so, no matter how corrupted you may become, we should, we should never, no matter how polluted, right, like, like not, not wicked choice, but like, you know, you, you get polluted, right? Oh. 
So like when you get, the, uh, but what you should never lose is your spiritual obligations, right? Like that, that desire to pray, that desire to worship. If you catch yourself losing those desires, that is great danger. That's what he's trying to point out. Okay, listen carefully. Okay, uh, you need to be able to accurately diagnose your spiritual state. And you need to constantly be wary of these things that should naturally be there. And if they're not there, then ah, I am being influenced by syncretism. Ah, my flesh is getting stronger. And that's why I'm unable to pray. Because remember, the fundamental promise of prayer is to open the heavens, right? That my prayer would rise up to heaven. And when we lose sight of that, that is danger. We need to understand that that is danger. And so relationship of Israel, right? That's what we... And so, right, we're talking about how Israel is praying in the midst of their suffering. And so, if you are assured in your being as a child of God that you have been saved, then suffering is not meaningless. That when we cannot live, when we fail to live by God's will, there must be suffering. And so, you know, when we live by God, um, from this perspective, life is not easy. And when I mean by not easy, it's not like you have to struggle over it. But look at Joseph. Joseph's life is prosperous, right? But when you look at it, is it prosperous? No, in some cases, it is suffering. And yet, God describes this prosperous. And so when you live by the Holy Spirit, you see God's will and have faith in God's will. It's the same thing that applies to me. 33 years ago, when I met with God, it was not an easy path, easy journey to get here, right? If God were to ask me, uh, would you like to go back in time and, and do this again the same way? I, I don't know, honestly, because it wasn't easy. But because I live by the Holy Spirit, I know that this was my blessing, that this was my blessing and my prosperity. So when he uses the word hyongtong, it's the word prosperity, but also it can also be blessing. Uh, he's using both contexts. And so this time, blessing, right? Joseph, right? Joseph's life was blessed. But anyways... So they call themselves, they, they, just, they declare that we are Israel and we know you. But this is a lie, right? Israel doesn't know God at this time. And so when the world mixes into us, as much as you are mixed, that is directly correlates with how much you do not know God. As we see in Hosea, what does it say? It says that uh, my nation, my people are ruined for their lack of knowledge, for their lack of knowledge. 
So for example, let's say I have greed. And then that person has a problem with, with material. We'll have a problem with, with goods. And fundamentally, if you don't have greed, there is no limit to the riches of the kingdom of heaven to that person. Meaning that if there's money or if there's no money, there's no problem. But to a child of God, they will not trip because of money. And so for 33 years, ever since I began my faith life, God, uh, ref- uh, God refined this issue of money in me has tested me, has refined me. And so after that time of refinement, I have never had a hardship because of money. And so fundamentally, what does it mean that you do not know God? It means that you are closed to how God blesses you. And so you are ruined in this section. Right? Um, Greed, you are ruined because of money. Immorality, you are ruined because of people. And so in Hosea chapter 4, it says that uh, Israel is ruined because of their lack of knowledge. And so the moment you became a child of God, God has opened up every vessel to live by God. Right? A new life has entered into you. This is what it means to be born again. And so that's why man must be born again. Why? Because ultimately they have been living by the flesh, but now that stops and they live by the spirit. They have to be born again. That's why in Titus 3.5, what does it say? It says washing of the new life and living and, and the renewal of the spirit. And so we need to be reborn again. And now I have become transformed to live by the Spirit. Amen? And so when, when these, all of these things were opened up to us when we live by the Spirit, but when we receive syncretism, what happens is that we close ourselves to those things. And so from the perspective of soteriology, right, the tree has been cut from the root. And now it needs to, now all the uh, leaves needs to wither under the sun. But all of a sudden a flood came uh, inundating that, that tree with water. And so it takes root again. And so it takes root into the flesh again. And so in Hebrews 12, 15, what does it say? That there's bitter roots. Don't allow these bitter roots. So originally we have been cut off and been planted in God, but we take root again, take root in the world, immorality of the world, wickedness, uh, this um, ideology that worships strength, all of these things take root again. And many of you may actually see that, that these bitter roots have taken hold inside of you. This bitter of roots uh, not only causes you to suffer, but also pollutes the people around you. And so when you receive the things of the world, it's not an insignificant factor. It's a big thing. If you keep leaving it alone, when the devil blows his wind, it becomes a bitter, it takes root. And so that tree that was dead comes back to life. And if you keep compromising with this, keep leaving it alone, then it goes to the point of uh, cancellation of salvation. And so, do not, uh, do not uh, be close to, uh, do not be hard to this. 
And so if you keep being influenced by the world and being mixed, then you cannot know these things. You, you cannot see these things. You cannot be sensitive to God. <sighs> One moment, please. Like Paul says in Philippians 4.12, right, that I know how to be content in all things, that, that I know the secret to find contentment in all things, that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The person who's mixed in the world cannot understand these words. Because those, the person who has the glory of that riches, They do not respond to the realities around them. But to those who are constantly tripping over these things, they cannot understand the riches of uh, of God. If someone has hurts towards spiritual gifts, they cannot taste the power of God. And so we need to have all channels open to experience God. But those channels that are closed, you cannot experience God. And so they cannot experience God. And so in their habits, in their practices, in their ideologies, they just think that they know God. But they cannot know God. Right? They cannot use the Hebrew word for know, which is yada. Right? They cannot use the Greek word ginosko. Because what is that? It's experience. They're just knowing the knowledge. But knowing that knowledge itself is not going to allow you to live with God. If, and so when you live in, the danger of living in the church a lot is because you hear lots of information. And so you have lots of information, but, and so you think you know. But you do not know because you simply have knowledge, no experience. If you receive the word of God in faith, that word is life and it has life. And so it comes inside of you and it opens up inside of you. But and, and that is experience. And so if you receive the word of God in faith, that word comes into you as life. And all the things that are closed, all those things that are bound will be loosened. And so there there are processes for that. For example, repentance or deliverance or determination, commitment. And so without these processes, you cannot say you know. And so for 13 years, as I was being trained in the word of God, God unraveled this revelation upon me. Uh, sorry. And, and, and through, the, he was loosening all of these things, right? That, ah, uh, I'm closed in this. Uh, because of this hurt, I'm closed here. Uh, because of this sin, I'm closed there. And so through this process, uh, through these processes, you see that the word of God is life, that it allows me to know God. It's the same thing with the love of God. To some people, they only understand this love in a theoretical sense. There are many reasons, but maybe, for example, like this, uh, that uh, those who have hurts towards their physical father, when God says that I love you, they, they, they think they uh, unconsciously receive it like that. Oh, I, I don't want that love of the father, they, that they cannot forgive their father. 
And so to this person, they cannot taste that love. That means that that channel is closed. And so they need to loosen these things. And so it is great loss to be to be unable to receive the love of God. Because God is omniscient, omnipotent, and He is the master of all creation. And so, but this only is important if He is your Father. If He has nothing to do with you, what does what does it matter to you if He is all powerful? And so, when Israel says, "My God, here, my God," this is actually a really important confession for Israel to make. And yet, there's no power here because they they do not know God. And so remember, as I said in the Lord's Prayer, when you say, my Father, our Father, this, is, this seals the victory. He gives you everything, right? Because He is your Father, my Father. He has already prepared everything for my life. And so all I have to do is walk down that path, that, he, that track that He has laid before me. That is the life of a, chi- of a child. So do not be deceived, brothers. Because of religion, because of ethics and morality, your life has become weighed down. And there's no grace. There's no grace, even though you read the Bible, even though you go to this worship, you receive no grace. Everything you think is your strength that I have to pray, I have to worship, I have to serve, I have to do all these things. And so you cannot receive that grace. And that's proof that you are not believing God properly. It's grace. God has done everything. God has opened everything. Living with God is easy. There's no reason for it to be complicated. There's no reason for it to be complicated. Just when he prays, he gives. That God has prepared all things. That when you go, it's there. When you go, it's there. It's waiting for you. It's waiting for you. Right? I go to China and Xiaoche is there waiting for me. And she wasn't perfect. Right? When she first met with me, she was not perfect. But now she's being made perfect. And, and she speaks Chinese as if it's my own tongue. Right? God makes it all. What have I done? I don't need to do anything. How amazing is this? If I want to speak in English, it's as simple as that. Oh, look, she even speaks English so well. Verse 3. Okay, I think we might have to finish at verse 3. Okay, if I don't finish Hosea, what's going to happen? Let's try to finish. Okay, if I, I might need to use the afternoon session. But anyways, and so Israel has spurned the good. And so again, what good in Hosea is love. Right, this word good uh, may have different focuses throughout the Bible. 
foci. But here, this good is this overall picture of love, right? Good and and blessing is the big picture of God, right? That when God gives us blessing, He means He gives us everything. When He blesses us, He gives us everything. And so this blessing is the big picture, right? And so blessing is important. And that's why in Genesis, when God created us, He created us by blessing us first. And so as a children of God, you are blessed. Amen? And then now what about good? This word good. This word good is God's being itself, right? Because God is good. And so if this goodness is broken inside of me, God will not leave it be. He will restore that brokenness inside of me. For example, let's say I have hurtness. God will not leave that hurt alone. He will restore it. Because of that hurt, there is broken, the goodness is broken inside of you. And so even now, God is approaching you to restore you. And so what's important is to receive Him. And so hurts is the same thing. All I have to do is meet with Him. If I receive His love, then those hurts will be healed. Because God is good. And so what does Jesus say? Right? Why are you healing on the Sabbath? My Father works on the Sabbath, so I work as well. Because God's goodness is broken on this earth, He works even on the Sabbath. And so in the same way, God will not compromise. He will not just leave it alone. He will deal with that goodness. He will come to restore you. But it's because you are closed and you do not receive Him. That's why it's not solved. But when you come to God with these hurts, touch me, Lord then He will heal you. As long as you open up to Him, He will heal you. Remember, Christianity is about grace. It's all grace. God is the one who does it. But we are so influenced by this world, by ethics, by morality. We think that I have to do something. But no, I have nothing to, I have nothing to do. He does everything inside of me. He knows me better than anyone, even than yourself. He loves you more than anyone. And so what would He spare to love you? Nothing. He would spare nothing to love you. Right? He was willing to give his son. He was willing to torture his son for to in order to love you. And, but Israel has spurned that love of God. Because they spurned what happens, what follows after them, instead of goodness pursuing them, the enemy shall pursue him. And so this is wordplay. This word enemy in Hebrew is is oheb, oyeb, and then love in Hebrew is oheb. And so again, this is wordplay. Because they cast away God's oheb, oweb, the enemy pursues him. So let us live by God alone and follow God. If not, then Oweb, the enemy, follows after us. This is the spiritual um, principle, right? If I'm with God, His goodness follows after me. But... 
But, uh, but yeah, this is the principle of things. If I choose God, goodness follows. If I ch don't choose God, the, uh, uh, the, the, the enemy follows. So, a problem. I just finished verse 3 only. Okay, let's finish here today and pray. We need to pray a little bit. Um, I think you have eaten your fill this morning, and so let us pray. It'd be great if we could finish Hosea in this conference, but if we don't finish, I mean, what, what, what can we do about it? Then does that mean we need to do another Young Adult Conference? Okay, I will not um, try to finish everything. Okay, Pastor Yoon Jong Kim. You make the decision. Okay, do I need to finish Jose at the end by this conference? Okay, maybe I'll just get only to chapter 9 today, this conference. And Pastor Yoon Jong will do the rest. Or maybe Pastor Cho? Okay, he loves it when I ask him to preach. Okay, let us pray. Okay, uh, you have heard many spiritual principles right now. And really, it's not theory. For 33 years, as I've been living with God, I have experienced these principles, and I have dealt and fought with the, wrestled with these principles. And so, the first thing that you need to receive in this conference is this, is you need to be able to accurately diagnose your spiritual state. That am I being influenced by the world? Am I not living by God? Am I being bound in this channel? Am I being closed here and that is being ruined? Am I not living by grace? That these are the things that I shouldn't do. These are the things that displease God. Even now, you are receiving grace. And if you are receiving grace, then the Holy Spirit is going to illuminate these things inside of you. You need to be able to diagnose yourself accurately. That, ah, I'm, there's an emergency in me. That I am completely shackled to the devil. That my spirit is closed. I'm in danger. That if you cannot see that spiritual state, then this is dangerous. And so if you are unsure of your salvation, you need to meet with God to this conference. We no longer live in a time where, where, where we can be lax regarding this. It's no longer just simply a decision between heaven and hell, but rather the remainder of your life may be worse than hell even on earth. Because that is the times that are waiting for us. And so we must meet with God and deal with these spiritual issues in this conference. And the glorious life that God has prepared for us, this amazing, this joyous, this glorious life, it, it, it was originally what we are supposed to live by. And so through you, your church needs to enter into new glory. 
And so even if just one of you accurately receives this, it's more than enough. Your church will be renewed. Why? Because those who receive the glory of God, their influence is powerful. And so I will pray that you would be completely revolutionized, uh, that you can raise up the revival of the remnant. And so cry out to God, mourn before God, pray with a contrite heart and seek after God. Call upon his name. Lord, meet with me. Jesus, meet with me. Jesus, I am in an emergency. Lord, I have been mixed and become so syncretic that my faith life has become religious, have become legalistic. That Lord, my information, I have deluded myself into thinking that my information, I know it. But Lord, bless the young adults. Let them realize how precious they are, how valuable they are, because at these end times, they have been called as your remnant. And yet, Lord, we have been, we have been shackled by the devil. But Lord, now let us repay the devil. Let us, uh, let us come against the devil with this holy anger. Help me to clearly see who I am and where my spiritual state is. Do not be mixed. Do not mix. Do not mix yourself. Lord, remove all these mixed things. Come upon them, Lord. <laughs> Beloved God, meet with your children. Lord, may they see and accurately diagnose their spiritual state. And through your spirit, through your words, may they be completely renewed. Heal them, Lord. Heal them, Lord. Renew them. Release them, Lord. Work in them, Lord. Pour it out, Lord. Pour it out, Lord. Pour out a powerful anointing. More, Lord. More powerfully, Lord. 